Hey y'all, this is Charlie. We are living, loving, laughing, and grace. And we're going to jump right back into this awesome word from Matthew 9, where we're getting ready to see, uh, come to life, where we've already started to, that beautiful Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 20, that we started off with last time. That he who gives attention to the word shall find good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. And so we're, we're seeing that Jesus, it says that Jesus went on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And I already went over how that's essentially the same as Jesus seeing him sitting right in the midst of his sin, right? The tax collectors were notorious for being thieves. They've betrayed their country. They've betrayed their God. They've betrayed their community and their family members. Uh, that's why they have this job. And it says that Jesus saw the man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. My friends, follow me as a grace gift. It is not a demand. It is a gift to be able to follow the Son of God himself. Right? Jesus could have so easily, instead of saying, follow me, say, go away. Look at your condition. Look what you're like. That's what we deserve. But instead, he comes to the worst of us and says, follow me. He comes to us even in the worst of our moments and gently reminds us as his children, hey, let that go. I've got it. Follow me. Amen, my friends. And what happened? It says, and he got up and followed him. And he got up and followed him. My friends, Matthew understood what an incredible gift this was. Not only was this a gift, Jesus just honored him. You know, I, I, I've shared before about the leper that came to Jesus. And it says that he worshiped Jesus and fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And what did Jesus do? He said, I am willing. And he touched the man. Why did he touch the man? Because as a leper, he could not have any human contact. He had to shout in front of him everywhere he went, unclean, 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 so that people would know to run away from him because leprosy was highly contagious, my friends, and there was no cure. It was highly contagious and it was highly deadly. So this leper had, had spent years, we don't know how long, in complete isolation, unable to hug his loved ones, unable to lift up his children and embrace them, unable to kiss his wife, to, to hug his parents. And so what did he need? He needed to feel human touch again. And so Jesus touched him. What about Matthew? My friends, I've, I've explained what a betrayal it was that he did. I wonder how long it's been since anyone spoke a friendly word to him. Since anyone spoke a single inviting word to him. Since anyone spoke to him when they didn't have to. When they spoke to him instead of speaking about him as he walked by, or as they walk away from the tax collector's booth. And here Jesus shows up, finds him right in the midst of it. He may have just cheated somebody. And Jesus speaks to him the most inviting words we could ever hear. Follow me. No wonder he got up and followed Jesus. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, so 
Matthew's gone from his tax collector's booth to now they're actually in Matthew's own house. And it says that as Jesus was reclining in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. What have I told you before about when you see a behold in the Bible? Behold, behold means look, look, especially here. There is a truth here. Behold, as Jesus was in Matthew, a tax, a known tax collector's house, what happened? Many tax collectors and sinners came. Grace attracts sinners, my friends. Grace attracts sinners. Many, many, not just a few, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Why? What happened? The word went out. The word went out. We can come to this man. He won't tell us to go away. He won't despise us. He won't look at us with condemnation and judgment in his eyes. In fact, did you, did you hear what he did for Matthew? Yeah, Matthew. You know that guy that's cheated half the town? He went right up to him. Yeah, right in his tax collector's booth. He didn't, he didn't even find him at home. He walked right out in the middle of the day in front of everybody. Jesus is so proud of you, my friend. He's so proud of you. He is so delighted to call you his own. This is not a secret. He shouts it from the mountaintops. The Bible says that every time one sinner comes to Christ, there is rejoicing in the presence of all the angels. My friends, if the rejoicing is happening in the presence of the angels, who's doing the rejoicing? God is. God is so happy, so delighted with you that you have made the decision that you are a child of God, that you are his, that he rejoices loud and long for all to hear. Hallelujah, my friends. And the word got out. And these people that have been so shunned, that have been shut out, that have heard that God is demanding that it's impossible to live up to his standards. My friends, it is. That's why we all need Jesus. They've heard that grace and truth stepped into their village. And grace and truth has invited them into their very home. He went to home with a, the home of a tax collector. And what have we read before that it says in Romans, where sin increased, grace super abounded and increased all the more. My friends, Jesus is a greater savior than you are a sinner. Sin cannot overcome Jesus any more than the darkness can overcome the light. The light overcomes the darkness. God's grace overcomes the sin. My friend, let's let go and believe it. Jesus knew he was enough for Matthew. He didn't tell him he had to get his life all worked out first. He didn't tell him to get straightened up first. Jesus knew that if Matthew would just come to him and receive of his grace, 
that he and he alone is enough to transform Matthew, to save him out of that sin, right? Doesn't it tell us that very thing in 2 Corinthians 3, 18? It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. As you behold the Lord, as you behold his glory, as you're doing right now, you behold who he is. You are being transformed from glory to glory. My friend, you receive his glory when you received him as your savior. But we continuously, my friends, it's a journey. It's a process, right? You, I don't have to tell you that you don't automatically become perfect and God doesn't expect you to. It's a process. And as we continue to look to him, we are transformed into his very glory. And it tells us how, as from the Lord, the spirit. My friend, the spirit of Jesus himself goes to work in you, transforming you as you simply behold him. See, Jesus understands how powerful grace is. That's why Jesus has no problem inviting the sinners to come near to him. He has no problem going into their home and sitting and dining with them, surrounded by them, because he knows that his grace is greater than any of their sin. He knows that as they behold him, that they will be transformed into his same glory. Hallelujah, my friends. Don't worry about those bad habits. Don't worry about those things that they're part of your old man. And honestly, they're dead. Don't treat them like they're alive. When we fight against them, we're treating it like it's still alive. But the Bible says you are dead to sin. So don't even fight against it. Turn and look to Jesus. Turn and look to Jesus. Turn and look to Jesus. He said he's enough for Matthew, my friend. He's enough for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, listen to this. Not only did Jesus call Matthew from his tax collector's booth, but how did verse 9 actually start off? As Jesus went on from there. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew. Where's there? Where did he move on from? My friend, Jesus was already in a house in Matthew's own village. He was already there in the same place. And the whole village knew it. We're going to read about it in Luke's account of what happened here when we get there. But the whole village knew it. The house was absolutely packed. Maybe you've heard of this before. It's the same time where this, this man had four wonderful, faithful friends. He was a paralytic and couldn't move. And his friends and, and him, they heard about Jesus and how he heals people. And they brought him on a mat to Jesus to be healed. But the house that Jesus was in was so packed and so crowded, they couldn't even get close to the door. So they went up on the roof and tore the roof apart. They tore the roof apart and lowered this man right in front of Jesus. I love it. See, where the Pharisees would interrupt him to try to make themselves look good, to try to make Jesus look bad. These men interrupted Jesus because they knew how good Jesus was. They knew if I can just get my friend there, Jesus will heal him. And it says that Jesus admired their faith. He was touched by their faith. He loved the interruption. And he healed that man. So my friends, do you think Matthew knew where Jesus was? Yeah, Matthew knew. I think we can, we can speculate that. The house was so packed that these men tore apart the roof to get their friend into it. 
Yet Matthew wasn't there. Matthew didn't go to see Jesus. See, my friend, this is each and every one of us in the beginning. We don't know God. And we don't know how much we need to know God. And we don't even care that we don't know God. And what does he do? He comes to us. Ooh, and now we're back into Mark's gospel. The servant. Right? He's always all of them. That's a servant. That's humility, my friends. Jesus is the one that has the right that de- to demand that we go to him. But he knows that when we're in our sin, when we're lost, when we're in the darkness, the darkness is so dark, my friends, we don't, we don't know the way out until he comes and brings the light. He is the light. So Jesus humbled himself and he came to Matthew. You think Matthew felt it? Wow. I didn't even bother to go over there. No one in this village will talk to me anymore. And yet he came and found me and he called me. That's our Savior, my friends. That's our Lord. That's our Father. Again, as it says in Luke 12, 32, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Why did Jesus do this? Because it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He searches, he searches for us. Jesus says it again in John, in, in John uh, when he's with his disciples in the upper room. He says, I chose you. My friend, you are listening. You are a child of God because you have been hand-picked, hand-chosen by God himself. Hallelujah. How valuable you are. How precious you are. How loved you are. Hallelujah. Amen. So Jesus came and he got Matthew. He called to him, gave him that grace gift, the greatest invitation of our entire lives. Follow me. And Matthew gets up and follows him. And now they're in his house. And it says many, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus. My friends, they saw the light. And they finally saw the light was for them, right? Why didn't any of these people go to the house Jesus was in before? You know why, my friends? That house was full of Pharisees and scribes. It was full of the self-righteous, the ones that thought they were perfect and holy and didn't need Jesus. And all the sinners thought, we can't go there. Look who's there. It's the who, the who's who. My friends, Pharisees from all over had come to see Jesus. Basically, to scrutinize Jesus. The who's who of Israel was there. No wonder all these sinners felt so uncomfortable. So what did Jesus do? He went and found a house that would welcome them. Woo! Hallelujah, my friends. If you will welcome Jesus in your house, he will come and sit there and party with you, my friends. He is knocking on the door. Let him in. Hallelujah. So listen to this. So this house is rocking. It's partying. They got Jesus there. They're enjoying each other. And then it says, when the Pharisees saw this, I told you they were there. They were there to scrutinize. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, I love this. It's like, oh, my friends, if you can't say it to the person themselves, maybe it's something you shouldn't be saying. Right? (laughs) Right? 
The Pharisees saw this. They didn't go to Jesus. They said to his disciples, why is your teacher? Hmm. The way people address people, uh, the way we see people address Jesus tells us what's in their heart. Not why is your Lord, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? My friends, look at the audacity here, right? Now we got to remember the Pharisees thought, I mean, they, they had zeal, right? They thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they, they, they were trying to guard God's holiness for him. They were trying to, to guard the law for him. They were trying to make people perfect. That's what made them so steeped in their own self-righteousness. But we have to remember, they were also the government. And people looked up to them. Their words had weight. Their words had sway. And so they come into this house and you can tell the position they're used to because they just came into another man's house, insulted the man of that house, insulted all his guests and insulted Jesus all in one go. (laughs) Oh man, that blows my mind. It's not like they're in one of their houses. They came into Matthew's house and insulted him and all his guests and Jesus when they call him teacher instead of Lord. So they ask his disciples, trying to plant some condemnation in them, trying to plant some self-righteousness in them. And I love it. You know, Jesus isn't going to let that hang around. He says it right away. They ask the disciples. The disciples don't even respond. Jesus does. My friends, this is why I tell you, look to Jesus. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, my friends, how many times we see in the Bible that when people are focused on Jesus, they don't even have to answer their accusers. Jesus does it for them. Amen. Right. Matthew could could pipe up here, but he doesn't. The, the other guests could pipe up here. Like I said, they insulted all of them. Right. But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. My friends, this is what Jesus is saying. There are no, there were no righteous yet. But he's not telling them that they're righteous. He, but he, what he's saying is that he's come to call those that know they need a savior. If you believe you're righteous, you don't need Jesus. But if you already know you're a sinner, Jesus has come for you. If you're willing to admit that you're a sinner, Jesus has come for you, right? Once a child of God, now you are righteous. But how'd you get there? Through Jesus. And when we make mistakes, we don't need to cover it up. We just go back to Jesus. Ask him for help. Hallelujah. My friends, he saw us in in all of our mess when he first called us. He loved us then, right? We, We saw that before that when we were dead in our trespasses. Out of the great love with which he loved us, being rich in mercy, by his grace, he made us alive together in Christ Jesus. So Jesus' response to these Pharisees is, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinners. And the sinners respond. Not only that, listen, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. My friends, 
spiritually speaking, again, without Christ, we're all sick. But some are willing to admit it and some aren't. Some look like they got it all together on the outside. They look super healthy on the outside. And some of them are the worst of all on the inside. Just like these Pharisees. That's why much later on after they keep rejecting Jesus and keep trying to keep people from coming to him, he calls them whitewashed tombs. Right? When you when you paint something white with, with white paint, what does it do? It brings it back to life again. Right? If it's gone dull and it's gotten dirty. Right? It's amazing what a coat of paint will do, especially white. So when he called them whitewashed tombs, it, my friends, it's just like what he's saying here. Like, okay, yeah, on the outside, you don't look like you need a physician, but on the inside, you're dead. Take care of the inside first, my friend. Hallelujah. And I love this, like I said, because he himself defended Matthew and all the sinners there. <laughs> Amen. Jesus is enough. Grace is enough. You know the issue here, my friends, between the healthy and those who are sick. With the Pharisees, you can think of it like this, the mindset. This is what the law says. The law says, what am I to God? Who am I to God? You know what grace says? Grace says, what is God to me? Who is God to me? See, the Pharisees were always looking at who they were. The sinners were looking at who Jesus was. The sinners saw Jesus as a healer. The, Jesus, the sinners saw Jesus as a savior. The sinners saw Jesus as grace. My friends, always see that your relationship is based on who God is to you. God is good. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is compassionate. God is your shield. God is your protector. God is your provider. Hallelujah. Did he not just do that here? He shielded them all. He protected them all. Hallelujah. My friends, look at who God is to you. Now, when I told you that we're going to look at this also in Luke's account, because um, anytime that you see the same account, in multiple gospels, my friends, there will always be different little juicy tidbits that we can get. So we see this is a pretty short little uh, uh, incident that happened here. And did you know it? it appears in all three gospels? That tells us it may be short, but it's pretty important. Right? We saw, too, again, it's emphasized with that behold. The Lord wants us to hear, to see. What did we, what did we learn before? That there was only one qualification to receive a miracle from Jesus. Only one qualification for Jesus to heal you. And he just stated that same qualification himself. That you're sick. My friend, Christianity is the only faith where you come and put your worst foot forward. It's the only faith where your weakness, your disqualification becomes your qualification. Because of grace. When you admit your need for Jesus, you receive Jesus. You receive entry into heaven. You receive eternal life by admitting that you're sick. You receive your miracle. Even as a child of God, my friend, we can push away God's miracles. We can push away his help because he will not force himself on us. 
as Jesus just demonstrated. He will call to us just as he's doing now. He's calling to you through my voice. He wants you to know how good he is and how much he loves you so that you'll be willing to receive from him. But he will not force it. Even as a child of God, we can say, you know what? I'm not so bad. Oh, it's just a minor condition. I don't need your help yet, Jesus. I've got this under control. Or we can say, you know what, Jesus? I'm sick. Help me. (laughs) Amen, my friends. And he healed all, all who were sick and all who did what came to him. The one qualification to be healed, you got to be sick. And the one thing they had to do was come to Jesus. You're doing it right now, my friends right now and we know that you shall find good because you're giving attention to God's word and I said we're going to look at Luke's account but we're going to have to do that next time y'all know how we roll so (laughs) one more time again and we will see it in Luke's account and friend I want to leave you with that thought today to remember that we are under a grace covenant and grace says what is God to me who is God to me My friend, think about that. Who is God to you? Not what are you to him? He's not looking for servants, right? He's looking for children. You can recognize that I am God's child. He is my loving heavenly father. And as a loving heavenly father, he takes care of me. Hallelujah, my friends. He even defends me. He even defends you. As we saw Jesus do, when those negative thoughts enter your mind, depressive thoughts enter your mind, thoughts that weigh you down, my friend, that's the enemy. Just put your thoughts back on Jesus. Remind yourself, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. God loves me. I have a heavenly father that cares so much about me. Whatever this issue is, he'll take care of it. You know, you can even ask him to help you think. The Bible says that now we have the mind of Christ. Even his mind he's willing to share with us. Come on now, that's mind blowing. (laughs) Amen, my friends. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us we have the mind of Christ. There isn't anything our beautiful Savior withholds from us. He even shares his mind with us. And I will tell you that sometimes when I, when, when I would have those, those negative thoughts come, those depressive thoughts come back and it would just, you know, sometimes y'all know what I'm talking about. It gets kind of confusing in your own head. I would say, Jesus, help me think. Jesus, you tell me right now what to think and what to believe. My friends, he will help you. He will help you. Lord, help me. Right? We've learned how powerful prayer that is. Lord, help me. Lord, Jesus. Hallelujah, my friends. Amen, my friends. Amen. I hope that this blessed you. And we are looking at just how great the grace of our Jesus is, my friends. And he knows that his grace is enough. He knows that his grace is enough to transform Matthew and all these other sinners that came to him. So much so. That he wouldn't let anyone else try to take that away. My friends, rest in the finished work of your Savior. Rest in his grace. Rest in your heart knowing that he is at work in you. 
He is working to bring about your your purpose. He is working to bring about your destiny. He is working to bring about a good, peaceful life for you, my friends. He is working so that you are blessed and you can remain at rest. Hallelujah, my friends. Hallelujah. You do just like Matthew did. Apparently, Matthew just kept right on eating and enjoying the party. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen, my friends. Amen. All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and grant you his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, y'all. Till next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.